Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Adrian Molina shares on the faithfulness of God in this message, the promise of confidence. As we reflect on God's faithfulness in this community, we also reflect on His faithfulness in our individual lives. If we believe He's helped us collectively, by default, we also must believe He will help us personally. We have this confident hope to rest on. Thus far, God has helped us. To participate in the annual Bricklayers Offering and plant a seed of faith for the future, check out vuchurch.com slash vision. Now let's lean in to the message together. Today, I, I want to read from a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament, and Jeremiah is a, a prophet in the Old Testament. And uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 is where we are going to find ourselves today. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. If not, it'll be on the big screen behind me. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Today, as we close out this collection, I want to talk from the idea of the promise of confidence. The promise of confidence. Would you pray with me? Let's ask God to show up and cement this word. Jesus, we love you and we're thankful for you. Jesus, thank you that you have been present every single time we gather. Sometimes we miss a Sunday, but you never miss a Sunday. So Lord, we just ask right now that your presence would inhabit this space, God. Help the words bounce off of this paper into the hearts and minds of people, God. Let us get entangled with you today. Let us get enamored with your presence today, Lord. Let us walk out of this space different than we did walking in. That's not true to every space we walk into, but it is true when we walk into your presence, Lord. Because when your word goes forward, it doesn't return void. So do something today, God. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, Fed. So uh, for the last four weeks, like we said, we've been in this collection thus far. And um, that really comes from our, our vision statement that was given to us in November from 1 Samuel. It said, thus far, the Lord has helped us. If we're going to believe... Uh, that God is gonna take us into new places. If we're gonna believe God is gonna, is gonna pioneer us into new territory, we have to look back on the past. We have to reflect back on the faithfulness of God in order to fuel our faith for the future. And my hope is that while you've been here the last four weeks, my hope is that you've seen. Whether you're new to VU or whether you've been part of the VU story for a long time, my hope is that you've seen that God has been good to this house that God has been faithful to this house, that God's hand is on this house. So what are we doing with this vision statement? We are prophetically and confidently declaring that the Lord will continue to help us because thus far he has helped us. So as I've been reflecting on this the last four weeks, I, I've been having this thought in my mind, this reoccurring thought over and over again. And it's, if I believe that he's helped us collectively, then by default, I have to believe that he's helped me individually, right? If God has been good to us, if God has helped us, then by definition, it means that he has been good to me. I wonder, do you, do you believe that about your life? Do you believe that God has been good 
in your life? Do you believe that he has helped you in your life? Maybe a better way to, to ask that question or think about that question is, do you have the same amount of confidence that God will continue to help you in your personal journey as you think he will help us in our collective journey? Do you have that same amount of confidence? I, I gotta be real, and, and I think we gotta be honest with ourselves. I, I think sometimes we struggle with this. We struggle with it. it it's, it's easy sometimes to have big faith for what we're a part of, but little faith for the part that we play. We see something like VU, we see something corporate, we see something collective, and we're like, oh, it makes sense that there's favor on that house. Look at all that they were able to accomplish. Look at all that God is doing through that space. And we underestimate our role in the part that, that we are a part of. We underestimate God's significance or our significance in God's eyes. I have a lot of confidence that God is gonna bless what I'm attached to, but I forget that I have his blessing attached to me. I have, I forget. We forget in reality that the entirety of the gospel message is that Jesus would do anything for me. It's at the individual level that Jesus, he leaves the 99 to go and find the one. We, we forget about this stuff. Maybe, maybe it's easier if I don't talk about you and I, I just talk about me for a second. I forget. I forget how good God has been to me. I forget that God has helped me. Or, or maybe a better way of phrasing that is that I don't think about it often enough. I don't recall it often enough. I don't have it top of mind often enough. And because I don't have it top of mind often enough, by default, what happens is that I forget that he's in control. I forget that God is sovereign. And because I forget that he's in control and I forget he's sovereign, I start to forget that he's gonna be helpful in my next steps. I'm not talking about what I'm a part of, I'm talking about me and my individual life, daily life with God. I don't bring it up enough that God has been helpful to me, so I'm not cognizant that God is gonna continue to be helpful to me. I, I forget that he's in control, I forget that he's sovereign. So, so what do I do? I insert myself into the equation. I, I, I inject myself into the story. I try to captain my, my own ship. I try, to, I try to take the wheel. I try to, to, to take control of what it is I'm doing and where it is that I'm going. All I have to do is look at an inventory of my actions this last year and be honest with myself. What was driving them? Or maybe a better question is who was driving them? Was I putting my confidence in myself or was I putting my confidence in my God? I wonder today, what do you put your confidence in? As you're stepping into this space, as you're stepping into church, what do you put your confidence in? Who do you put your confidence in? It's easy to say that we are gonna trust God. It's easy to say that we are gonna rely on God, but it's hard to live that out in practice. It's hard to do that on a daily basis. We're much more comfortable with with trusting ourselves and putting our confidence in ourselves. And I'm not talking about being self-confident. There's a difference here. I'm not talking about thinking highly of yourself. I'm talking about our propensity to trust ourselves over anything and anyone else. I'm talking about our inability to put our strength in something outside of ourselves. I'm talking about our lack of capacity to trust things consistently that aren't five feet in front of us. I mean, that's, that's the whole money conversation, right? Like, can we be, can we be honest for a second? That, that, that's what we've been talking about over the last four weeks. This, these last four weeks been ramping up to what? To our annual offering. And something that we do every year. Why do we do that every year? Not because it's about the money, but because it's a faith exercise. Because in the literal sense of the word, it exercises our faith. 
It strengthens our faith. Our faith. It, it, it stretches our faith. Why? Because it, it forces us to operate outside of our innate tendencies. It forces us to get into a motion that we're not always familiar with. It forces us to flex a new muscle that we don't flex on the daily. So really, it, the conversation is about control, or rather relinquishing control. There's nobody on the planet that we trust better with our money than ourselves. I'll speak to myself. Nobody on the planet I trust better than, with my money than myself, and that's not, by the way, because I'm the most qualified to deal with my money. On the contrary, but it, it's strictly because I have this this desire for control. It's because I feel like if I have control over my money, then I have control over my life. I have stability over my life. But it, it doesn't just apply with, with money. Substitute money for your time. Substitute time for your talents. We hesitate to give our time over to things that, that we feel might be a waste. We hesitate to give our talents over to things that we feel might not provide a personal return. Like, dude, I, I don't know, that, that's not gonna be a good investment of my time. Or I don't know, man, I don't know if they're really gonna appreciate what it is that I bring to the table. I, I don't know if, if, if that's a good and a wise investment of my resources. All fair and logical thoughts, by the way, but what is really driving that thought? Most of the time, what's driving that thought is our desire for control. In fact, that's part of the, that's part of the human condition. So we're just... Part of being in church is, is bringing to the surface the aspects of our flesh that we deal with. So we have to bring to the surface the fact that this is a real dilemma that you and I are trying to navigate through, that we have this, this need for control, this need for stability, this need for security in our life. We think that that's one of the most basic needs. We think that if we have that, that we're going to be all right. But it's actually in contrast with what the Bible has to say. So part of the reason we come to church is to get equipped to hear God's word. So what? So that we could bring to the surface what our flesh is telling us and bring to the surface what God's word is telling us and see if they are in alignment or disalignment. So we got to look to God's word if we're going to challenge ourselves in this thought process. So let's go to God's word. Let's go to Solomon, what he had to write in Proverbs. Solomon is said to have been the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon, uh, God said, Solomon, ask me what you want and I'll grant it to you. He said, he said wisdom to lead my people. So the book of Proverbs is just bars and bars of, of wisdom. And look at, what he, look at what he wrote here, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. What is he telling us? He's saying, trust God over yourself. He's saying that when you lean into him, he's gonna clarify things for you. He's saying that your natural propensity, your, nat your natural proclivity is for you to trust yourself over God. But if you do that, it's gonna be a poor investment. So trust God and seek God and he'll make everything clear for you. He'll, he'll make your path straight for you. Now look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew. It's gonna come up on the screen behind me. Jesus, the source of Solomon's wisdom in Matthew 6, 31, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. People who aren't in relationship with me run after this stuff. People who aren't trying to walk in intimacy with me run after this stuff. People who, who are confused about their belief system and don't have something that they are anchored to, they run after these things. But not you, he's saying. He's saying, you don't, you don't need to run after these things because the Father knows that you need them. So don't, don't try to pay attention to what it is that you need. God already knows what it is that you need. 
And he says, instead what? Seek first. Somebody say, seek first. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying that you you can't try to gain control of your life. Don't try to consume yourself with what's next. Don't try to consume yourself with what you have in your hand or don't have in your hand. On the contrary, look to God. Seek him first and seek his path. Seek his way. Seek his righteousness. And when you do that, he'll deliver what it is that you need. Why? Because he knows what you need. He's more reliable to provide you with what you need than than we are to provide ourselves with what we need. So let's go back to our our foundational verse. A foundational verse in Jeremiah 17, seven through eight. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails and never bears to, it never fails to bear fruit. Putting your confidence in God results in a blessing. Look at the blessing that is promised there. It says that you'll be planted, saying that you'll have stability in your life. It's saying that when the heat of life comes, when the pressure of life comes, it's saying that you will not fear. You'll have security, the security that you're looking for. But then what else does it say? It says in a year of drought, you're always going to bear fruit. Your leaves are always going to be green. So you'll have substance. You'll be of substance. Isn't this what we all long for in life? We long for stability. We long for security. We long to, to be of substance, to bring substance. Jeremiah is telling us here that the way that we do that is by putting our confidence in the Lord. There's a promise attached to confidence. But look at what he says right before this. Jeremiah is a prophet, and in this section of Jeremiah 17, he says, thus says the Lord, and he starts a proclamation of God. These are God's words. Look at the warning that he brings to his people in verse five, right before this verse. He says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands, They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. He's saying that putting your trust in yourself will not result in blessing. He's saying putting your trust in yourself is gonna result in you being dehydrated, you being parched. You don't have the substance inside of you to sustain your life. Only God has the substance to sustain your life. Only God has the substance to to give you what it is that that you need. Modern day translation, it's a bad investment. It's a bad investment for us to be putting our trust in ourselves. It's a bad investment for us to be putting our confidence in ourselves. So the goal is what? The goal is to put our confidence in the Lord. We, we know that, we see the scripture now, we see how it compares. Here I'm bringing to the surface what I deal with on a daily basis as a human being and I'm bringing to the surface what God's word has to say and now the argument is clear that I need to put my trust in the Lord. However. With all that being said, it's still hard to do it. It's still hard to to let go of control. It's still hard to put our trust over in God. And it's okay to to be honest about that, by the way. It's it's okay to to be honest about it. It's just not okay to to stay there. It's not okay to to quit. It's not okay to give up on it. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we can get so discouraged in our daily walk with Jesus, because we look at aspects of our lives and we recognize that they're not in alignment with the person of Jesus, or they're in contrast with what the Bible has to say, so what do we do? We self-eject ourselves from the equation. 
dude, this is too hard. I don't wanna do this. I don't have what it takes. I'm not measuring up all the way. But we gotta recognize that we gotta give ourselves some grace. We gotta recognize that, 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 that feeling that you have of you being in disalignment, that's actually a gift from God. It's called conviction from God. It's the process of sanctification. The Bible says that you and I, we, we work out our salvation. So that means when we feel these things, we don't self-eject from the equation. We actually double down, we lean into it. We recognize that this is God at work in our lives. We can't get discouraged. It's like when I, when I talk to guys that are, that are married and having some trouble in their marriage. I'm like, homie, you've lived your entire life learning how to only care for yourself, only how to provide for yourself, how to prioritize for yourself, how to live for yourself. Now you're in a scenario where you're learning to live for someone else, to prioritize someone else, to care for someone else. Yes, it's hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean you quit. You double down and you lean into it. You keep working at that marriage. You keep bringing all of what you got to that marriage, it's the same in our walk with Jesus. It's exactly the same. I I have spent the entirety of my life learning to put my reliance upon myself. I spent the entirety of my life learning to put my confidence in myself. So now that I have to transition to put it into the person of Jesus, that takes time, that's a process. I've only spent the last eight years trying to put full dependency and reliance upon him. So yes, as Christians, we we hold ourselves accountable. We listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but we gotta have some grace for ourselves. You You are doing better than you think you are. You are here today. You are here today. You are here today. Give yourselves a round of applause. You are here today. You're here. So it's hard, but we we have to attach our, our confidence to Jesus. So how do we do that? Like, Adrian, I, I hear you, dude. What, what, is it that I, what is it that I need to do? What's the next step here? What I've learned in my life is that our confidence in the Lord comes from our convictions about the Lord. Our confidence in the Lord comes from our convictions about the Lord. What are your convictions about Jesus today? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he is for you? Do you believe that he has helped you? Do you believe that he has been faithful to you? I'll tell you what one of Vu's convictions is. One of Vu's convictions is that thus far the Lord has helped us. And because he has helped us, it is proof positive that he will continue to be helping us. So here we go, full circle. If I believe that at the individual, if I believe that at the collective level, I have to believe that at the individual level. That truth and that principle applies to my life. It applies to your life. God is good to you. God has been faithful to you. You have to believe it. You have to have some conviction in it. But dude, I don't feel that. I don't feel that all the time. I I can't, like you said, Adrian, I can't recall all the time the goodness of God, the help that God has provided me in my daily life. So because of that, I, I don't pay attention to him actually being in front of me and creating my pathway. I put myself in the front of the line and I create my own pathway. So so what do we have to do to ramp up our conviction? What's the fastest way to ramp up your conviction? It's to reflect. To reflect on your past. The same way that we as a church have to reflect on our past in order to fuel our faith for the future. Look at how God has been faithful to fuel our faith for the future. You and I as individuals have to look to our past to fuel our confidence in the Lord. When I look at my life, it's easy to see that God has been good to me. When I look at my life, it's it's easy to see that Jesus has been helpful to me. And so much of that realization 
which is important for us to understand, is recognizing that he was good to me before I was even in relationship with him. Like, I don't know where everyone is in this room. I don't know where you find yourself on your journey with Jesus. Maybe you're not in relationship with Jesus today. That's okay. But I want you to walk out of this room understanding one thing, that even if you're not committed to him, he's still committed to you. He loves you and he's for you. So I had to recognize, I had to recognize that he's been helping me before I was even in in relationship with him. The Bible talks about things like God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. And these aspects of God, they get unraveled, they get get pulled apart as we deepen our relationship with him, as we deepen our, our intimacy with him. But there's something in the Bible referred to as common grace, common love, common mercy. This is a a no strings attached kind of grace that God has for all of his creation. Let's look to the word. James, the brother of Jesus said, every good and perfect gift is from above. So what is that saying? God is showering you and I daily with gifts. The fact that you have the air that you breathe, the fact that you have the sun in your face, the fact that you woke up this morning, that's all a gift from God. These things that show up in your life and you have no idea how it shows up in my life. I have no idea how this landed on my plate. That's the sovereignty of God. That's the grace of God on your life. That's common grace, common mercy, common love. And look at what it says in Lamentations 3, 22. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. You're able to wake up today. You're able to keep going through life because he loves you so much. Even if you're not in relationship with him, even if you're not committed to him, he's still committed to you. Because of his great love, he is not consuming you. And what does it say? That his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Other translations say his mercies are new every morning. God has enough mercy for everybody in this room every single day. He has enough capacity to show compassion and empathy to us every single day, to not tear us apart for all our insecurities, to not tear us apart for all uh, all of our failures, but in fact, look at us and say, I love you so much, even though you don't love me right now, that I still got mercy for you on a daily basis. I wrote it this way, man. God has been helping you before you even knew you needed his help. God's been helping you before you even knew you needed his help. That's true to my story. God's been helping me before I even knew I, I needed his help. Like, let, let's, let's talk real for a second. Let, let's go somewhere for a second. Aside from these, from these free, nice pleasantries that I'm mentioning of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy, I want you to think about those moments that you should have not walked out of a situation, but you did. I want you to think about those moments where you should have walked out of a situation in a lot more pain and hurt, but you didn't. I want you to think about those situations where you, you could have gotten in a lot of trouble, but you didn't. I cannot tell you how many times Jesus has spared me of the consequences of my choices, especially before I was in relationship with him. Before I was in relationship with him, the times I should have gotten pulled over, but didn't. The times I should have gone to prison or jail, but didn't. The times that I, that I should have gone in that fight, but didn't. The times that I shouldn't have woken up the next day, but did. But God loves me and he's faithful and his hand is on my life. Before I was even in relationship with him, with him, he was blessing me. Before I even knew that I needed his help, he was helping me. He's been helping me and I didn't see it back then. I didn't see it back then, and maybe you don't see it now, but that's God's hand on your life. That's his favor on your life. That's his sovereignty on your life, his grace and his mercy on your life, saving you from yourself. He was saving me from myself. We live in a broken, desolate world, a fallen world, but we're here. We woke up today, we came to church today. God is good, God is good, he's helpful, he's helpful. You and I, we don't, 
We don't have to have the same kind of story. We don't have to have the same kind of background for you to recognize this. There is no doubt that there have been moments in your life that God has shown up, that something intervened, that there was a transaction that took place. And sometimes we think that's luck or coincidence. It's a supernatural transaction that takes place, that God is stepping in and intervening on your behalf. God loves you and he's helpful and he's helpful. So he's been helping you before you, you even knew you needed some help, but God's help continues when we step into relationship with him. God's help continues when we step into relationship with him. That's when we see him for, for all his glory, man. That's when we see him for the truth of who he is. Jesus speaks to the crevices of your being. Jesus speaks to the depths of your soul, to the secret places of your spirit. Jesus unlocks doors that should have never been unlocked in your life when you're in relationship with him. He brings peace to areas of your mind that you thought would never be settled. He brings purpose in areas that you thought were dead and dormant. In fact, he resurrects spaces of your life that you thought were dead and dormant. He brings them, he brings them back to life. God helps you and I navigate through the turbulence of life with strength and peace. What a gift from God. Can you imagine you're, I'm speaking to the Christians in the room. Can you imagine navigating through life, through the complexities of life, the pain of life without the strength of God? Can you imagine navigating through the, the complexities of life without a peace, a peace that transcends all understanding, the Bible says? If you are a Christian in this room, you need to recall the words God has given you. You need to bring to the surface the way that he has blessed you. You need to bring to the surface the way that he has spoken over your life, that he's pulled you into depth with him. We need to recognize that he, he's been helping us all along, whether, whether we're in relationship with him or not. Before we were in relationship, he's been helping me. And now that I'm in relationship, he's helping me more. But do you know the way or the manner in which he helps us more is that he draws us nearer and nearer to him to become more and more like him. He draws us nearer to become more like him. And it's not for his sake, it's for our sake. It's for our sake. He wants that to happen because he wants me to experience life as it's intended to be experienced, as he designed it. There is no greater gift or help on the planet than being led to our true identity. And that's what Jesus does for you and I when we're in relationship with him. So God helped you before you knew him, and now that you know him, he's helping you become like him. So, so what do we do now? We're like, Adrian, dude, I, all right, you, you've... You've compelled me, I see the scripture, I recognize God has been helpful to me, I recognize that he's, he's gonna continue to be helpful to me, I, I get it now, what, what do I do? The answer is that we respond. Everyone say we respond. I think so much of Christian living can be summed up and simplified by us asking ourselves and answering a very simple question. What is the reasonable response to what Jesus has done in my life? That's it, man. If you walk out daily asking yourself that question over and over and over again, you will more than likely do a good job at becoming like Jesus and approaching an intimate, deep relationship with Jesus. So maybe today, maybe today you ask yourself, how does my life measure up to who I say Jesus is? Or maybe you ask yourself, what, what do my actions indicate about my convictions? Something I, I think about often is, um, if I didn't have the, the capacity to speak anymore, if I couldn't use my words anymore and people could only look at my life, what would they determine of my life? 
God Almighty in heaven, I, I pray that they would determine that I've given my trust to Jesus, that I've turned over my life to Jesus, that, I, that I've given everything I have to Jesus. Why? Because that, that, that's what he wants from us, isn't it? That's the totality of what he's asking you and I to do. He's saying, believe in me, believe me, follow me. Step into relationship with me. Why? I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Put your confidence and trust in me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With the totality of your being, I want you to submit over your love and your trust to me. That's what Jesus is asking. So yes, God, I want that to be the response of my life. I want people to look at my life and say, yeah, that guy follows Jesus. What, what do you want them to determine from your life? When, when, you, when you assess your actions, what does it indicate about, about your convictions? I'd want them to determine that I have a desire to love and serve people. It's not always easy to do that, by the way. And we can be honest in church. It's not always easy to, to wake up early in the morning and come here and put on a host team shirt and serve people that might be a little bit rude to you as they're walking through or to be out in the parking lot while it's drizzling, wearing a vest, waving cars in with a smile on your face. It's not always easy to do that. It's not always easy to love and serve people, but I'd want people to see that about my life. I'd want people to see that I, 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 I'd allocate my resources towards advancing his message. I'd want people to see that this guy made some radical choices, man. He made some radical decisions. I want them to see that I don't have any hesitation in submitting over my time, talent, and treasure over to Jesus. The worship team said, you could go ahead and start. God helped you before you knew him, so we respond. I'd want them to see my passion in bringing people closer to him. You know what a fantastic opportunity that's coming up that you and I have to do exactly that? Christmas Eve services. Can I just pastor us for a second? Can I just talk to us for a second? Let's be real for a second. Every single person in your life, the people you work with, the people that you hang with on the weekends, the people that you go to the gym with, the people that you go to grab coffee with, every single person is gonna be consciously aware that Christmas day is coming. And no matter where they fall in their belief system, the person of Jesus will unavoidably be on their mind. Why? Because there's no escaping that Christmas is about celebrating or highlighting the birth of a baby named Jesus. So maybe they might put a little bit more emphasis on a family tradition. Maybe they might put a little bit more emphasis on, on Santa or Rudolph or the Grinch or whatever. But the person of Jesus will inescapably be on their mind. So why not you and I be bold? Why not you and I be bold and, and establish a new tradition for ourselves, a new tradition for our home, and help others establish a new tradition for them in their homes by coming to church on that day, but inviting a friend on that day. Why? So that they can hear the presentation of the gospel. They can hear the truth behind the season. But more than that, so that they can connect the dots between what they're celebrating and what they believe. We, we gotta do that. People gotta see your passion. If you're a Christian in this space, they gotta see your passion for bringing people into God's house. What would they determine if they just looked at you? I'd want them to determine that about me. So in summary, Jesus wants us to put our trust in him. He wants us to put our, our confidence in him. What is confidence? Reliance, faith, dependency, 
Trust. What is the opposite of confidence? Distrust, uncertainty, skepticism, hesitation, fear. We all go through moments of life where we feel that. You feel hesitation, you feel doubt, you feel skepticism. I'm not talking about these moments where we have big faith. I'm talking about tomorrow morning when you're thinking about what's coming up in the day. There are moments where you're gonna feel this way. This doesn't make you a bad Christian. It just makes you a forgetful Christian. It just makes me a forgetful Christian. But just as Samuel laid down a stone to help his people remember the faithfulness of God, to fuel their faith for the future, you and I have to remember that our very lives are living stones being built up into a spiritual house, the Bible says. So the work that is taking place inside of you and outside of you, the work that's taking place in you and through you is the very thing that should remind you of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. He's working in you. He's helping you. Thus far, the Lord has been good to you and he will continue to be good to you. I wanna be the kind of person that puts my confidence in the Lord. I wanna put my trust in the Lord. I wanna bring it all to the altar. Not because I'm being told to, not because it's, it's this blind confidence, but because it's the only reasonable response to his faithfulness in my life. Because I'm recognizing what you've done for me. And because I'm recognizing what you've done for me, I don't have any other option. I just gotta submit over to you. I just gotta respond over to you. It's the only reasonable interaction that should take place between me and God. We, we, we help put our, our faith and confidence in the Lord by, by recalling what he's done to us or what he's done for us, that he's helped us. God has helped you and he will continue to help you. I'm gonna take a moment and we're gonna pray and, and we're gonna worship and we're gonna close out our service. But before we do that, I wanna highlight our foundational verse one more time. Jeremiah 17, seven through eight. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The reason I wanted to encourage us from this verse is because this is the verse that the Lord gave me the day my firstborn son Maddox was born. The morning that he was born, God deposited this word on my heart. And he gave me a promise that morning, promise of confidence. The promise that he would grant my son Maddox confidence, that Maddox would grow up to believe in himself, yes, but more importantly, believe in God. And that his trust in the Lord would set my namesake into new heights. That Maddox would become the standard bearer that future generations of my family would look back to for inspiration, for wisdom, and for leadership. Not because he would be the most talented, not because he would be the most vocal, not because he would be the most gifted, but he had a steadfast resiliency in the Lord, conviction in the Lord, confidence in the Lord, and that confidence in Jesus will result in a blessing in Maddox's life. The blessing attached to the promise of confidence in the Lord, stability, security, and substance. Can I be a dad for a second? I believe that same promise of confidence is on your life. Jesus loves you. Jesus is for you. 
Jesus has been faithful to you and he so desperately wants relationship with you. He wants you to go on a journey with him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to put your confidence in him. He wants you to put your, your convictions in him. But he knows that, that it's hard, which is why the Bible says that he is patient and slow to anger. All he's asking you to do is lean in because there is a promise attached to confidence in the Lord. And he so desperately wants to come through on his promise. In fact, he made it with you in mind. He loves you and he's for you and he's been faithful. Thus far, the Lord has helped you and he will continue to help you. Do you believe that today? Come on, amen, amen. Why don't you stand up on your feet? We're gonna take a moment to pray and then we'll respond in worship. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands with me as we seek God in this moment of prayer. God, we, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for today. God, thank you for all of who you are. Thank you for all of what you've done, God. Thank you that you can, you can minister to people in this room at an individual level, Lord, today. God, I'm praying that people, they walk out of this space putting their faith in you, their conviction in you, their confidence in you, God. God, I'm praying that people recognize that you've been helping them before they even knew they needed some help. God, I pray that people recognize that even now as you're in relationship with them, your help is still there. And it's not just there in the big moments, God, that get highlighted in our minds sometimes. It's help in the everyday moments, the daily walking with you, the daily pathways that you're creating. God, I pray that we open up our eyes to that, Lord. I pray that, that our eyes are open to the truth of what it is that you're trying to do in us, God, that we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house, God. You're trying to do something inside of us and through us God not for not just for your sake but for our sake too you want us to step into deep relationship with you because Jesus that's after all that's what it is that you you intended for us that's what you intended for us Jesus so today we we respond today we we worship you we glorify you saying that thus far the Lord has not just helped us thus far the Lord has helped me and because he's helped me I know it's proof positive that he will continue to help me we love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen, amen. Come on, you're worthy of it all. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.